When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This is Dan Myler, host of the longest running Dynasty Fantasy Football podcast in the industry, the DLF Dynasty Podcast. Join me and my co-hosts, Ryan McDowell and Matt Price from DynastyLeagueFootball.com as we use 60 plus years of Dynasty experience to analyze news, walk through startup and team building strategies, and highlight trade targets to keep you on top of your Dynasty League year round. It's a different topic each week on the DLF Dynasty Podcast, but the common theme is always the same helping you build the ultimate dynasty roster. Join me, Dan Myler, along with Ryan McDowell and Matt Price, each week, year-round, for the DLF Dynasty Podcast. Oh, you didn't know? Your ass better call somebody! and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages. Destination Debbie is proud to bring to you its Dynasty Tag Team Champions of the World, the McNutted Michael Crystal, the ATM Adam McFerrin, the 4D Chess Podcast. And of course, if you're not down with that, we've got two words for you. Welcome back, everybody, into another episode of the 4D Chess Dynasty Football Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Mike. You can find me on Twitter, at IowaMichael. My co-host, Adam, he's in the building. You can find him on Twitter, at ATM4DChess. Let's get it popping. What's going on tonight, Adam? What's going on, Mike? We're back in. Episode 6. Can't believe we're already at episode 6. It's fun. We always enjoy coming to you, bringing you good, good content here. This is my favorite day of the week. Every time I get to get home from work, crack a cold one, sit on here and talk with my boy about Dynasty football. I mean, can life get any better? Hard to imagine it right now, at least. Yeah, I poured up uh, poured up some Sazerac rye, ready to talk with the big homie, talk some Dynasty. Let's ready get, to get it. into it, man. Let's get it. Uh, Super Bowl's on Sunday. Who you got? I'll put you on the spot. Super I like Bowl that. Sunday. Who are you taking? I like the Rams to win. Rams minus four is a little tougher for me if you're talking cover. I think the Rams win the game. I, I expect it to be close. I mean, any, anything's possible. We've seen crazy blowouts and 
I hope it's not. I want I want a good game more than anything, but I do think the Rams will find a way to get a W. I got Bengals by a billion, but I'm not a gambler, so I'm just going with my heart. Bengals by a billion. Nutted <laughs> with his heart on his sleeve. I like it. I mean, I, I'm excited too for the first time in a long time for the halftime show. This might set up to be the best halftime show I think I might have ever seen in my life. Yeah, I'm, I'm not crazy about halftime shows in general, but I'm. This is the most excited I've been for one. Let's put it like that. I mean, you get the whole LA LA theme. You know, Kendrick Lamar, Dr. Dre, Eminem. Mm-hmm. I think uh, uh, with Mary J. Blige as well. Yep, I believe. Yep. Hope I'm not wrong on that one. But I thought uh, I, I thought it. I thought it was too. Not now. You're making me second guess myself. I mean, we're bringing it back to the glory days, right? <laughs> the high school, the college days. I, I, I know. Dre, Eminem, Kendrick Lamar is a, a lot newer, but yeah, I was gonna just. say I know. I know McNutt. It's got to be a, a Dr. Dre Eminem fan. Know it. Oh, in my bones. In my bones. <laughs> I'm excited. This is one of the the only halftime shows where they announced it, and I'm going, ooh, I actually might not go do the normal, you know. If, if you got to go take a dump or something, that's a good time to do it during the halftime show. <laughs> if you, right. you need some refill on your drink, if you need to, you know, hit the chicken wings again for the third or fourth time, that's usually when you do it. But I don't know. This one I'll probably stick around for. I kind of want to yep. see it. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I mean – I'm definitely sticking around for it. I'm excited for the whole Super Bowl. I think that halftime show is going to be dope. I like, I like a lot of the players. You know, from like a obviously, I'm a, I'm a Browns fan. I'm from Cleveland area, so you know, you got your team. But I like a lot of the players in this game from a dynasty perspective, fantasy perspective. So it, it, I think it's going to be a fun one to watch. I'm excited. Uh, as always, it, it's always filled with disappointment after the Super Bowl ends. Because it's the official end to the football season. Yep. I guess unless you're going to be a USFL fan, I think that kicks off in April. <laughs> but me being <laughs> the the football degenerate I am, I probably will be checking that out. Just because what else am I going to do, right? Mike's Mike's already started the live streams for us. He he's going to live stream USFL. He's going to be getting to it. You just wait till I start up those USFL fantasy leagues. Oh I'll man, be, I'm I'll be in. That that one I may have to miss, but um, <laughs> I'll say this about the last thing about the Super Bowl. I think, you know, there's a lot of intriguing things about the, the matchup. I think the thing to watch, the thing that could determine the game is what the Bengals do to counter the pass rush of the Rams because their offensive line is not elite. It's probably far from elite, and you've got some studs on the defensive side of the ball up front for LA. So I think, I think that is going to be one of the keys to the game. Yeah, you got a real uh, chess match going on. See what I did there. Real some, some match. might, some might even say 4d chess. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're so corny. Oh, well, let's not, let's not uh, dance around it too much. Let's get right into it. This is going to be a subject, which is an old standby for Adam and Mike. Uh, actually, our first episode was on quarterbacks, and guess where we're going tonight? Quarterbacks, back, back on the quarterbacks, back to quarterback land. I, I like. I'm excited for this one. I, I think sometimes they're overtalked, but I, I do believe that you know, especially we deal with superflex here. You you have to talk and you have to have a plan at quarterback. So th- this should be a good one. What? I mean, quarterbacks in Superflex, if you don't have quarterbacks, you know the pain. 
right? Quarterbacks go early in Superflex draft. Safe to say that in Superflex, quarterback's probably your most important position, right? So if they're the most important position, logic would dictate that we're going to spend the most time talking about quarterbacks. <laughs> got You have to. I mean, and if it's not the most, it's got to be among the, the – the, it has to be a very big topic of discussion. You just have to talk about it. Well, you got to listen to the uh, Ray G and Debro pod today. And, of course, they started off with quarterbacks. We got some hot takes right out the gate. Uh, Derek out there talking about he would take Joe Burrow as dynasty quarterback three over Justin Herbert. So that got my attention yeah. right away. <laughs> that was that one is I don't really care who you are. That's got to get your attention. Like, ooh, the ears perked up on that one. So I figured what we do is uh, go through to tonight. We'll go through these quarterback rankings. Um, yep. Some of these guys we don't need to spend a lot of time on. We know exactly who they are at this point. But want to give you guys some ideas what you would do with these quarterbacks if you have them. And if you do have them, what you would do with them based on your team direction, right? If you're competing, if you're rebuilding, it changes drastically. It changes the entire landscape of how you are going to approach the quarterback position. So we'll kick it off right at the top. Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, 1-2-2-1, 1-A, 1-B, double ones. However the hell you want to rank them, those are the top two guys, right? Yes. For you, Adam, I know we have talked to the patrons about this, but if you have these guys in a rebuild – you have one of these quarterbacks. What are you doing? Are you trying to move off of them actively? Or is it more of a, if a good deal comes along, I'll consider it. So, one, I mean, if I have these guys in a rebuild, it's it's not my team currently. But if I, if I had one of these guys in a rebuild, I am actively trying to move them. I'm not just selling them to sell by any means. But, because th- th- these are... I think for me at least, um, Mahomes, Allen, I, I probably have Herbert in that mix too. But yeah, in in that tier one, right, the elite, elite tier one, th- those should be the top three guys coming off the board and in, in startups. And, and unless you want to mix Taylor in there, and I wouldn't fight you on that, Jonathan Taylor. So I'm not going to just move them to move them. Like it's not just you have to get them off your roster. At that that being said. What, what do these guys get you in a rebuild? They're absolutely capped out in value. Like, as much as I love Mahomes, Allen, Herbert, they're, they're elite, elite elite, and they're young. Like, everything about them you like, right? They all can offer some rushing. Their arm talents are ridiculous. They've, I mean, Herbert's going to get a contract. They're going to have a long tenure career. But what you can tear down from them is so much, and – like, I think that's where I kind of want to talk also as we go through these tiers. Like, let's value them for the listeners, the dynasty degenerates out there. Value them, what we want to do in a rebuild. For me, all three of these guys, I'm going to try to move in a rebuild. And, and it's going to take a haul of picks, but I think these are the guys that can get can, can land a haul of picks. It also kind of depends on the type of rebuild you're in. Like, we've, we've both seen teams where – these are pretty much the only assets that team has worth anything, right? So if that is all you have, you are pretty much locked into kickstarting your rebuild by moving one of these guys. 
if you have a lot of other older assets that are decent enough to move, or maybe you're rocking a Jamar Chase or Justin Jefferson in a rebuild, and you want to try to get that that draft capital, these these three guys. Well, I, I will throw Justin Herbert in there as well. Though there is a tier break between Allen, Mahomes, and then Herbert for me. These three guys, if I have it and I have a lot of other assets in, in my rebuild, aren't necessarily guys that I'm actively shopping, but I'll just kind of float it out there and see what people want to give. But it's not the worst thing in the world if I end up having to hold these guys in a rebuild because they're all young and I don't envision a scenario where you're not getting elite production out of these guys for the next four, five years at least. So, for sure, for sure. In, in that scenario, if I have a lot of other pieces to move first, that's what I'm going to focus my effort on. But you're right; these are the guys that are going to bring bring you the biggest haul. It's just I'd, I'd be more selective, right? It's correct. If correct. I'm in a if I'm in a dumpster rebuild and this is all I have to move. I have actively told people that you want to try to shoot for the best possible deal that you can get, right? You want to shoot for that four or five first round pick or an incredible down tier where you you get an extra couple first or, or however you want to do it. But don't be upset if the offers just aren't there and you have to move one of these guys for 90% face value. I know it sucks and it hurts your soul, but it's your only card that you have to play. Otherwise you're just going to be stuck holding an elite quarterback asset with no future whatsoever. And the guy is just going to end up dying on your roster while you finish seventh or eighth every year, which is a horrible place to be. You don't want to be in the middle. Yeah. I think that's true. I I think that the key there is the, the timeline, right? So, if your timeline, like if you're in a dumpster rebuild, like Mike said, when I say dumpster rebuild, like you know that this team doesn't have the assets and you're at least a couple years out minimum. If that's the case, I'm moving those guys. And it's not because they're not going to be good in three years. It's because I, I think for every one of those, I mean, especially Mahomes and Allen, like th- they're netting you four future first round pick value. Yeah. So, Listen, you 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 may not land Mahomes back. It's it's unlikely you you land Mahomes or Allen. But if you land a quarterback that is a young upcoming guy that could reach QB one status, and you have three other shots in the first round, that that's how you rebuild. Now, if I'm a contender, th- this is probably going to be spicy to some. I'm still doing the same thing. I know it's. Maybe crazy, spicy, like, why, why would you do that? They're going to put elite points up. But that's only if you're getting that type of value back where it's full value on Mahomes or Allen or Herbert, where you're talking at least three first and a second or four first. Because typically it's going to be in the version of a down tier. Yeah. Now, where, how far down tier you want to go, the cost obviously comes up in value, but if you can down tier these guys a tier to tier three, tier four, and that serious first round draft capital or or, or other stud players that could be better for your team, depending on your, you know, uh, lineup size and the depth of your league. So, I mean, obviously on a contender, if you have those guys, you feel really good about it. And I'm not saying you better go shot Mahomes or Allen or Herbert. I'm not saying that, but, but if you can get out at, 
full value or over. Like to me, every player I have in Dynasty is always on the table if the right price comes along. Yeah, those guys are definitely on contenders. Uh, pieces I'm looking to down tier. I'll give the caveat and the asterisk if the lineup size is correct. Correct, correct, correct. The Very big. shorter, the fewer amount of people you need to start, the more valuable the studs become. But the deeper these starting lineups are, the more depth you need. I know right. some people get away with the studs and duds approach, and I know you've tried it. I'm not a fan because it just leaves you so vulnerable to one COVID case or one injury or one guy getting suspended or stepping away from football or whatever the case may be, or one bad week of just open yourself up to bad things happening to your, your team. So I always am a proponent of just depth, but not just crappy depth. I want good, solid depth. And if Josh Allen will net me a down tier to Lamar plus a pick or two, that is something I want to do all the time. Right. And then I'm going to take those picks and I'm going to, I'm going to move them for uh, wide receiver help or running back help or whatever I feel. And I pretty soon I walk away with, you know, uh, I had Josh Allen to start. Now I have Lamar Jackson and I may have a, you know, back end RB one. That's something that I'm always looking to do is to down tier elite studs, break them up into two, three, four pieces, good pieces, not just long shot dart throws, but good pieces that could start on my team. And and then I'll roll that team out. I'll roll that squad out of depth. So even if you are a contender, I'm with Adam. If your lineup size is correct, you have a deep starting lineup. It's not one of these start nine leagues that I've right. seen. Yeah. If, yeah, if you start 12, start 13, start 14, the longer those starting lineups get, the more depth comes into play. So even more reason for you to try to down tier and pick up multiple assets. Yeah, the, the league size um, and, and the lineup size, the if it's best ball or if it's lineup, th- th- those are key here. Like you said, if, if you're starting nine players, you you want guys like Mahomes and Allen. You absolutely do even in probably start 10. But if you start getting into the deeper start 12, 13, 14, as valuable as they are, and they still are immensely valuable in those leagues, that's where depth comes into play. And then in best ball, where the best score every week comes into your lineup, Mahomes is safe. Allen is safe. They're probably most weeks going to be in your lineup. But you could be better off having a bunch of assets, three or four still really good assets as opposed to those guys. So, I mean, th- th- those are the clear and obvious ones there at the tier one, uh, Mahomes and Allen. For for me, I have Herbert lingering right there in tier one, and then I kind of go to a tier one B, which would for me is it's interesting here because you have for me one one that's seems to be in the dynasty space descending, and one that is ascending. Now they're still both top five guys, but uh, that's Kyler Murray and Joe Burrow for different reasons for each. But for me, that's where that, I, I guess, like tier 1B or tier 2, whatever you want to call it, is for me. I've, it's the exact same for me. I don't – I'm not going to put Herbert in that elite tier just yet. There's still some stuff that I need to see after him. But that's three fair. Through, three through five, I value all similarly with Herbert leading the way. So I still have Kyler Murray at four and Burrow at five. And my reasoning behind it is Kyler with that elite ability 
rushing the football. Joe Burrow has to put up video game type numbers to match what Kyler does in just an average game. So that's what gives him the the boost. But I can see a scenario where it's it's a lot closer or might be flipped. I don't think, at least for the top three, there's any question. It's some order of Allen and Mahomes for me. I'm not really impartial to either one. Like it's a it's a dead even race. Justin Herbert, the clear three, and then Kyler and Joe Burrow. And that's a lot closer. But after Joe Burrow, then, is another tier break. And these are the guys that we'll start to get into because, I mean, these guys above them, you know, Allen, Mahomes, Herbert, Murray, Burrow, uh, they all kind of fall into that. If you have them on your team on a rebuild, same thing. I'm interested to see what you're going to do with guys like Dak, Lamar, Hurts. Trey Lance, Russell Wilson, Trevor Lawrence. Mm-hmm. Like, this is a pretty big jumbled tier of the next group of guys. Justin Fields, Deshaun Watson we can throw in there as well. For sure. Uh, I think after Deshaun Watson, you get another pretty solid tier break, right? Yes, yes. And I would actually rank Deshaun Watson a lot higher than this list that we're looking at. But, I mean, that's we can talk about that some, but – if you got a guy like uh, Dak, Lamar, uh, Russell Wilson on your squad and you're a rebuilder, again, you're trying to trade him away, right? For this sure. isn't a foundational piece. I'm definitely more active in trying to trade these guys than I would be the elite tier guys. Yeah. I think, once again, it does come down to timeline. Like, if you're telling me this is a you, – you want to compete next year, like your, your team's okay, you just don't think it's quite elite yet, but you think you can – you're close, so you're going to just gain value for one season and, and try to push your chips in next year. I could maybe see if you want to keep a guy like Dak Lamar, maybe even Russ. That that one still, I'm probably trying to shop in a rebuild of any form. Um, but but if it's not a one year rebuild, yeah, these guys, I, I want to, I want them gone, and I'm trying to get out as close to max value as I can. So let me ask you this, Mike: Where where are you at with those three? As far as like what their future values go in Superflex, first round picks, you know, first and seconds, whatever it is, I, I don't think. Do, do you think Dak and Lamar are worth three three future first or not? Is that too is that too rich? I would never pay that ever. I'm yeah, not not saying you would necessarily pay it, but what do you? I would. Do you think I would ask worth? for it. I would mm-hmm. ask for it, but I'd probably settle somewhere two first and a second somewhere if I was yeah. rebuilding. Yes, I, I agree. I think. I think it depends on – see, the thing about Superflex that's interesting is it really depends on what, what's going on sometimes in the microdynamics of your league. Sometimes there are teams that get QB desperate that maybe will pay up a little bit over true value for guys. So, like those, you said, I, I, those I would – Those two specifically for me, just thinking about this right now, which are two? definitely Dak and Lamar. Oh, yeah, yeah are guys that I think because of the way the dynasty landscape is, are guys I would actively, actively try to down tier to a Trey Lance and a Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields and pick up a first. Oh, yes. And, and be completely fine. I, I would be absolutely over the moon if I could do that deal. But I think it's a very reasonable one that people would make. Right. Because in some, yeah. in some people's minds with Dak and Lamar, there's still that solid locked-in first-round startup value. Which to me is 
yes and no. I can see a scenario, you know, maybe where one or the other one slips to the second round. But if people are still valuing him like that and I want a down tier, yeah, give me one of these young guys, the Lance, the Fields, the Lawrence, and give me a first-round pick, and I'd be happy as a clam. Yeah, no no doubt. I, I think, too, it, it depends on if you're down tier and if you're, if you're just selling for futures or, or, like, young guys that a contender may feel like are not going to help their lineup, and they may overpay a little bit with those type of pieces. But, like you said, th- those younger guys down tier, Lance, Fields, Trevor Lawrence in particular. For me, I would, you know, Mac Jones is probably another tier down for me, but not far behind. If you if you have a owner that's not wanting to con- contend right now this season, and they're not feeling so comfortable with those guys because they're a little shaky as far as what they're for sure going to give you points per game next year. If you could down tier to those, that that's an easy smash for me. And I think that. Lamar and Dak in most Superflex formats are still going to go in the first round of startups, which is why I think you need to start trying at three. I'm not saying you're going to for sure be able to get three future first, but I think that's about the range. If I'm rebuilding and I just want to move them, I'd probably do it for two first and a second if it just got the ball rolling on my rebuild. But these are still, they're not in the tier one, tier two. But when you're talking contending side, they're, they're still really valuable. What are you going to be doing with a guy like Jalen Hurts? That is about as about as interesting of the quarterbacks to discuss. So I'll say this. If, he, if I have him on a contender, I'm probably going to be holding him because – if I had him on a contender, I wasn't even I wasn't even anticipating he was going to be the Eagle starter this year when I had him in those spots. And he's obviously, you know, increased in value, looking like he's likely still going to be the guy next year. I mean, what are you going to get? The problem is, what are you going to get for him in futures if you try to move off of him? And can you is someone really going to let you down tier him? So like on a contender, I'm I'm holding him. On a rebuild, I want to move him. Um if I can get two first for Jalen Hurts, I'm doing it. Even though he's still Konami and probably going to be a QB one next season, I'm doing it for two first for sure. Still, as a rebuilder, he's polarizing because I believe the community is probably fifty fifty on him. Mm-hmm. Fifty believe fifty percent of the people diehard believers, and the other fifty percent are I'm out. I, I don't want any part of this. I would say if I do have him somewhere, even on a contender. I'm with you. Give me two first and I'll just I'll figure out what I'm gonna do. Right. I I'd rather yeah. I'd rather cash out and be wrong and walk away with two first round picks than to hold and be wrong in my holding, right? He he gets replaced, doesn't end up being the starter pass this year, because then you're just absolutely devastated. Like that's a zero now. Yeah, you, you have a lot of value to lose if you do that is the problem. Yes. He's a guy, though, on on these teams where I'm, I want to push in this year. I want to try to capitalize on this year. I really think he might be a good target to go after because of yes. the split on the community, right? If you're going to tell me that you can get Jalen Hurts for two firsts or less on a contender and he's 
I'm not going to say he's locked in as the Eagles starter this year, but it's it's very, very likely. From everything I know and follow about the Eagles, this is their guy, at least for this year. And they're going to they're gonna let him go. And we, we've seen what he does when he plays. From a fantasy perspective, he produces very elite. So if I'm on a contender, I think this is a guy that I would be trying to actively go get and hoping that the Jalen Hurts manager – is kind of in the ballpark of I don't know, I don't know mm-hmm. what to do, mm-hmm. and and you can get a discount. Right, I agree. I think you could approach that two ways as well. So if you're on the contending side and you want to push futures in, you could kind of just test the manager that has Hertz, right, the Hertz manager, and see what he's wanting, how how in or out he is on Hertz. Because like you said, I think that's a hundred percent correct. Where he's extremely polarizing. I think there there are people out there that are very bullish on Jalen Hurts. And I could can understand where they're coming from, but I think there's still a big part of the community that's scared of him, scared of the second round draft capital, scared of, you know, maybe inaccuracy and in passing and stuff. So I, I would I would absolutely explore it. And the other thing is too, when I say the other side, I think if you are in a if you want to push your chips in on the contending side. And you have a piece like a a Lance, a Fields, a Lawrence. Like you might be able to actually send that to the rebuilder side, and maybe even get a little piece back too, right? Yeah. So yeah, I, I think it just depends on what your team format is and and, and how you want to approach it. But I fully agree, man. Hurts on a on the contending side for next year it is likely to finish. Mid mid QB one, for sure, and I'm who knows hell maybe even higher. Great segue to the next one. All right, Trey Lance, Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields. Who you got is the best quarterback out of that group? Who do you Say want again. more? Trey Lance, Justin Fields, Trevor Lawrence. You said. Yep. Who do you want more? Man, it's so close for me. This might seem crazy because we saw the least of him. I want Trey Lance. Now it's splitting hairs. Like I, to me, they're all really close. I want Trey Lance with those guys, though. Fair, fair. Is that a an upside play for you in the rushing ability? Yeah, I think it's upside play. I think it's a little bit situation, too. Because if you're going to split hairs, like, I don't think it's the worst thing in the world. Like, people are saying, oh, he didn't play. I don't think it's the worst thing in the world to sit. We've seen guys sit and come in after a season and play well. And what, what you've kind of learned from San Francisco since Jimmy G's been the quarterback the last three years, this is a damn good team, but it's just missing that one piece. And when I think about Trey Lance, his rushing upside, I'll give it to you this. he He's a little scary because what we have seen of him has been very inconsistent from the passing side, but with the type of commitment they put into him too, right? They traded up to get him from 12 to three, and they have now three future first invested in this guy. So like that type of commitment, that type of situation, his rushing upside, that's why I want to bet on him. He does have the best set of weapons amongst the three. That's not up for debate. It's not close. However, this is where we will disagree some. He's actually third on that list for me. That's fair. I, I mean, I love him. I love him, and I love the points. But like you did, caveat and say this: this is super close. But if I have to rank them right now, I'm going with Trevor Lawrence still 
and maybe this is me being stubborn, but you're not that good at football and then just forget how to play football. No, no, no. The, the supporting cast was crap. The offensive line, not very good. And we know the story of what happened with Urban Meyer. <laughs> yeah, don't. Yeah, his situation last year could not have been worse. I'm not out on him by any means. His situation is going to be vastly better heading into this year because it can't get any worse. <laughs> it really can't. Justin Fields, there's something to me about a guy going out there his rookie year and struggling and taking his lumps and learning from that, right? Yep. I really think that because Fields went out there and he did struggle at times. But struggled mightily at times too. Str- yeah. No, it's not sugarcoat the shit. Right, he he right. struggled mightily at times. How but he much also of that, looked really good at times too. Yeah. How much of that was Matt Nagy not taking the training wheels off? Some of it too is Justin Fields. Like there are plays Justin Fields would make where he's holding the ball too long. Or I don't know, maybe it's a visual thing for me. I'm not an NFL quarterback or a quarterback evaluator. But nothing nothing irritates me more when the quarterback takes the snap from shotgun and just stands flat-footed, right? Right. right yeah. he, he seemed to be prone to – he takes a snap and he stands flat-footed and just like a real slow turn and then fires a deliberate slant route that everybody can see coming. Yeah. no, I, I'm not a fan of that. <laughs> yeah, no way. I, I think the thing with him that's exciting, though, is kind of what – I think what you're getting at here is he – looked at times very raw, like he needed a lot of refinement. Um, yes. Holding the ball too long, looking skittish in the pocket as far as when to throw, when to take off, ultimately, which would lead to him holding the ball too long, taking sacks. I, I remember, you know, as a Browns fan, watching that game, I think it, it was his first start or roughly his first start. I mean, the man, it wasn't all his fault there. Nagy put him in a horrible situation, but he looked horrible in that game. And to see him, I think sometimes – this is a, a dynasty thing too. We get so enamored all off season with these prospects and we expect them to come in and be out the box. Amazing. And for the large majority, they're not going to be chased where they just come out and are elite, elite tier in their position off the rip. And quarterbacks sometimes take a while to develop. So why I say all that is one to not get too bullish on rookies immediately in their rookie season. And two, he developed in his rookie season, which is, I think, what Mike's getting at, where there should be some excitement. Even though Matt Nagy probably was incompetent and didn't put him in the best situation a lot of times, Justin Fields, as the year went on, you saw flashes even when he struggled. And then as the year went on, you really started to see him come along and see all the arm ability, throwing ability. Um, even his reads and stuff started to look a lot more crisp as the year went on. So I, I took if you argued any one of these guys to me, I'm not going to truly fight you too much on it. I like all of them still in Dynasty quite a bit. But if you're asking me to like split the hairs, I'm going to take Lance, understanding that it's probably a little more risky, but the upside to me I think is the highest. Maybe it's a little bit of old old, uh, you know, uh, storytelling malarkey passed down from generation to generation, but there is some truth to it. Anybody who's had to do hard manual labor and work with their hands, you know, you you get blisters. And then after the blister goes away, you get a callus. And now that thing is damn near impenetrable, right? So You can't do anything with it, man. You can't get through it. I think there's something to life 
and NFL football, especially the quarterback position, where you have to take some lumps and you have to look horrible at times to, to show any real progress or growth. That's the reason I separate Trey Lance and Fields. It's because Fields got to experience that multiple times this season. And Trey Lance, you know, he was only thrown in there when they absolutely had to have him, when they had to have him in there because of Jimmy being hurt or unavailable for the game. So it is razor thin. But if you're asking me right now, I'm still going Lawrence, I'm still going Fields, and I'm still going Lance. And I think a lot of it, full discretion, is probably me just being stubborn. But I don't think you can really go wrong with any of them if you want to invest in them. Right? No. If you want to down-tier one of these other guys to one of these guys, that's great. If somebody is panicking because they got too over-anxious on what these guys were going to do their rookie year and they didn't provide them anything, go out and, and test the waters and see if somebody's willing to give you a discount. Yeah. If, if you tell me I can go get one of these guys for two firsts or less right now, I'm in, and I I don't like paying up for anybody. You know me, I'm 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 very uh, hoarder, like when it comes to my assets. But yep. Now those are, are general. Good. Those are general first picks, right? Not necessarily numbered, correct? Yeah, just general first round picks. You right. Know. Uh, Deshaun Watson. I mean, I don't want to spend too much time on him because it seems like all year we've talked about him at nauseum. Yeah. But. He does deserve to be in this tier, I think, because we know what his upside is. If he gets cleared, we've seen it on the field. We've seen what he can do in bad situations. Uh, I I believe Ray said today on his show that if Deshaun Watson is cleared and on a new team and plays next year, he vaults right back into that top five category instantly. It's a it's a no it's a wrap. I mean, no as doubt. much as much as you love Joe Burrow. As much as I, I enjoy Kyler Murray, I, I would have to put him above those guys. I think I'm in agreement with Ray. He's got to go right to four because I know what I have in Deshaun Watson. It's all the off-the-field stuff that's keeping him depressed right now. Oh, for sure. It, at worst-case scenario, he's in the tier with those two. So, yeah, 100%. He, he's polarizing, and I think the thing with Watson is it kind of depends on your risk tolerance. For me, I'm a guy that rosters quite a bit of Watson. And when I roster Watson, it's been on the rebuild side for the most part. Um, there might be a one contender I have him on, which no one's basically willing to give me anything but absolute dog shit for Watson because they're trying to prey on his situation right now. But he's polarizing because there's I think there's still people out there that are not sure if he's gonna play again. The, the off the field stuff's scary. I don't wanna I'm not gonna in this show, dive into what's going on off the field. That's not for me to get into, but if he is suspended for, if he clears his stuff in the, in the summer and he's off, off the field for half the season next year, that's a suspension. As soon as he touches the football field, he's in the top five, top six quarterback, almost undebatably his age, his production. Obviously there probably is going to have to be a trade involved. There's a lot of moving pieces there, but if he is playing football on any team, I don't see how you can't have him at at worst six ahead of Dak. And yeah, I could argue him above both Burrow and Kyler. He's still extremely young. We have seen this man both running and throwing the football be elite. I understand if you're scared off from it, you don't want to 
invest capital into it. But I, I have a fair amount of Watson because of the upside that we don't know what's going to happen. And if he, as soon as he gets cleared, he's got a value bump coming. Next, I mean, I don't want to spend too much time on Watson, so we'll just move on to the guy I really wanted to talk about, Mac Jones. This is his guy, ladies and gentlemen. This Ooh. is the McNutted approved truther, Mac Jones. Who? Mac Jones. There you go. Finally, that took a minute. Come on, you gotta be. Oh, oh, you gotta be in with it. I'm with it. I just I know you're gonna go on this whole hype thing, and I'm with you. I love Mac Jones. I just think we. The funny thing is, we argued about him on a whole patron show at length and we're not that different on him i just i'm a little lower than mike on mac jones so the delay was more so like let you know that that's that's mike's guy i'm right with him i love him but he's not quite into the the tier of the guys we discussed ahead that was a that was a silent sigh is what that was you were like oh boy here we go again and we're gonna go there we're gonna go there i'm ready for it man i'm ready to give the audience something let's do it mac jones at 14 clear Tier of his own for me, right there. I agree. After, after you get past Deshaun Watson, Mac Jones is the next guy, and there's not anybody else in his tier that I would want. There are a few things that I'm going to say this because the guys after him. So you got like Matt Stafford after him, right? I know Stafford's a great story in the Super Bowl, blah, 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 blah. Okay. Matt Stafford and Mac Jones' situations this year, vastly different. Mac Jones is a rookie coming in and playing well with absolutely nobody at wide receiver. Zeros. Below average replacement level players. These guys are not good. Matt Stafford comes into a tailor-made situation for him. A great coach in Sean McVay. A good running game. A good offensive line. Great weapons. And there were times this year where Matt Stafford has been in the league for as long as he has been in, where I... If, if I closed closed one eye and I put a number 16 jersey on him, I'm like, man, Jared Goff is still in L.A. That's cute. <laughs> Matt Stafford played absolutely horrible in some big games this year. But I know that the sentiment right now is, oh, he's in the Super Bowl. And a lot of people seem to be way too high on him. If you're telling me right now I have to choose, regardless of team build, Mac Jones or Matt Stafford, I'm taking Mac Jones 100 times out of 100. And I'm willing to die on this hill. All right. But there All is right. there is no reason Mac Jones does not have a ceiling like Joe Burrow. Absolutely none. I am banking on Mac Jones getting upgrades at weapons this year, whether that's in free agency, the draft, however it unfolds. He will have better receiving weapons next year going into his second year in the NFL already taken some of the lumps and already showing that he can play in big moments. Mac Jones, clear tier, 14 by himself over Matt Stafford. I'll say this from a dynasty rankings perspective. I'm actually right with you as far as Mac Jones being ahead of Stafford. I do think team build should come into play here. I I, I would agree if you're in a startup, Am I taking Mac Jones or Stafford? I'm taking Mac Jones. So that being said, his value probably is slightly ahead of him. uh, When I say him, Matt Stafford for me. 
That being said, I think team build does need to come into play here. Whether it's draft or free agency, New England still, he's in a great situation. I, I do believe that. I'm not as bullish as you quite, like I get where you're coming from. I do think that there's certainly room for Mac Jones to improve. He, he's not a Konami guy, but he absolutely could ascend. His, his, he's an unbelievable passer. He's accurate. That They should absolutely improve the weapons around him. I, I just think that the reason, a lot of the reason Joe Burrow's there is not just because Joe Burrow's great. He, he's proven that he is a gamer. He's competitive. He can throw. I mean, coming back from that injury and also not having a great offensive line this year, getting into the Super Bowl, Joe Burrow's legit. But, and I'm not saying Mac Jones doesn't have room to grow and improve, but Joe Burrow's there a lot of it because Chase and Higgins are are ridiculous and their weaponry is awesome there. So I'm not quite ready to say Mac can get to Burrow's land, but I'm I'm with Mike that he has room to improve and he should grow in value. He's young and ascending guy. They're going to get weapons there. They, they could draft a, a, a wide receiver in the first round, one of these legit guys we like. They they, they could do something in free agency. Um, I think for me with team build, the reason I say Stafford is because I think what's being lost with Stafford, some, like Cooper Cup played outrageous this year. I'm not sure if he can do that again. It's possible. And we don't know what's going to happen with OBJ. Woods is coming back off an ACL. So what's he going to be like? Higby's getting older. But the thing about it is this year they didn't have a run game. So that did probably prop his stats up. But I think he could be more efficient if their run game was a little bit better. With Akers back, I think that balances their offense out a little bit. And, and Stafford, I think, could still easily be a back-end quarterback one next season in that, in that offense, in that system, where Mac Jones' longevity is way better. I don't know how many years Stafford can give you left. He's probably got two or three without injury. We've had some back concerns, stuff with Stafford. But I think that for another year or two, he, from a points-per-game perspective, is going to outscore Mac Jones. But when you talk dynasty rankings, that's why I think Mac's in his own tier is the youth, the situation. He, he's only going to get better in my mind. I think part of this, too, is Stafford scored 20 points – Per game in standard, you know the the normal scoring settings. The four touchdowns are the four points per passing touchdown, the same yards, that kind of thing. Right, twenty points. Mac Jones scored fourteen point six, if I believe, fourteen, fourteen even, fourteen yep. points even. Mac Jones' situation is going to get better, and I think Stafford's is going to slightly deteriorate. And if he's not asked to throw the ball as much. How likely is it that he hits that 20-point-per-game mark again next year with Akers back? Yes, his efficiency is going to go up, but his touchdown total is bound to come down. He's not going to throw 41 touchdowns again next year. I, I wouldn't imagine. It, he, prob- I he probably doesn't throw – I mean, it's possible, but you're right. That, that That's probably towards the ceiling for him touchdown-wise. I'm looking at it from the perspective that max points per game are going to increase – with a better situation and Stafford is going to come down. So you might be talking something like 17 points per game to 19 points per game. And it's a two point difference. Mm -hmm. And in that case, even on contender, just from a strictly value long-term play, I'm going to take the guy who's, you know, 
nine years younger, eleven years younger. Wow, eleven years younger. Yeah, yo, he he's way younger. There's no debate in age. I yeah. mean, it's not even close. That's just how I'm looking at it. If the points per game isn't going to be that that drastic, I don't I don't think there's a reason why Mac Jones couldn't get up to that 16, 17, 18 points per game next year in his second season with a better supporting cast, his second year in the league, all that stuff. And I do feel like Stafford is bound for some sort of regression coming down with Cam Akers back, a steady running game. I don't know what's going to happen with that offensive line. Cooper Cup, like you said, is not. it's highly unlikely he's going to duplicate what he did this year. Woods coming off the ACL. Who knows if Beckham's back, Tyler Higby's a whatever. I'm pretty sure Andrew Whitworth is gone after this year. I mean, how long can the guy keep playing left tackle at an elite level? So that's Mm -hmm. a big issue to address, especially with a quarterback like Stafford who isn't highly mobile. The Rams cap situation isn't very favorable. So all those factor into me. That's that's kind of why I'm so bullish on Mac Jones, especially compared to Matt Stafford. But I'd be bullish on Mac Jones pretty much compared to anybody after yeah. Deshaun Watson. Yeah, I think I think the last thing I'll say with Stafford is from a contending side. Now understand I guess when you say contending side. It, it's almost like you're just talking strictly redraft there, like what the contending side is, but that does not mean the dynasty value is not different. So, but when you're talking the contending side, it after th- there's like 12 guys this year that were on a points per game basis, QB one worthy. And I think that Stafford's one of those. And then it kind of gets into like, middle of the road, no man's land, so to speak, points per game. Now, I agree with Mike completely that I think Mac Jones should ascend some in points per game. Like points per game this season, he was quarterback 27 in points uh, and four-point passing touchdown leagues. So, like, I don't – I think just by watching him, understanding what he did in his rookie season, them upgrading their weaponry, he should ascend from that. But I do think that th- there's a lot of quarterbacks in the middle there on the contending side that don't offer the, the passing upside that Stafford does. I think we, we kind of both somewhat agree here. Mac Jones is the better dynasty play, but I think on the contending side, I would be careful about moving off of a guy like Stafford for not getting the right return. I think Stafford is a guy that you need to move in these next year or two because he's going to start cliffing in age, but you, you need to make sure that you have a plan to replace him in the points per game side. If you're a contending, if you're an elite contender. So the next tier of guys, we're going to get into a lot of these rookies, right? This is where we're going to start to see quite a bit of them pop up. Yes, sir. Uh, Malik Willis, Aaron Rodgers, Kenny Pickett, Zach Wilson, Tua, Tannehill, Kirk Cousins. And I think you could probably just kind of draw a line right there. Yeah, I think. <sighs> you could think probably, the- you could throw Matt Corral in that mix. I, I would, yeah, go ahead and throw Matt Corral up there too. I definitely got Corral in that mix right okay. now, I think. So one of the questions that's always been floating around, and I I don't know how much this is just bullshit narrative. 101, right? Say it's one of these quarterbacks. Landing spot. 101 or Zach Wilson? Which would you rather have? 101. I wish we disagreed more. It'd make for a better podcast if we listen, man. More. We got to We got to <laughs> take our Mac Jones opportunities and, and utilize them better because we we're not going to disagree that much. It's 
it's weird. That's why we're doing a show together. We, we think <laughs> damn near the same on these guys. But gotta, for me, to, I got to come stronger with the Mac Jones is what you're saying. That's why I tried to give you a little pause to let you know, like, I'm with you, but I'm not quite with you. you know? All right. I feel that. But I, I think we're on the same page here, one-on-one, because as this hype continues to build, as landing spots happen, I want the one-on-one over Zach Wilson. Frankly, not close. Even if you're forcing me to pick a quarterback there. 102 or Zach Wilson? 102. 103 or Zach Wilson? 103. That's where I think it should land. And I've been a big proponent in the offseason of buying Zach Wilson. True. I do too. I agree with you there. I just think there, 103, you're talking my pick of quarterback and Spiller and Hall right now, which I'm going to take over Wilson. I've heard the narrative that if Zach Wilson was coming out in this class, he'd be the number one quarterback hands down. And I think that's a bunch of BS, to be honest. Yeah, He's very I, good and he's very talented, but I think it's shitting on Malik Willis. It's shitting on Kenny Pickett and shitting on Matt Corral when we honestly don't know. I've seen enough from these guys on film throughout watching the college season on, on all three of those guys where I couldn't tell you whether or not they're more or less talented than Zach Wilson. But I'm going to lean towards maybe they get a better landing spot. Maybe they have a better situation. You know, Zach Wilson has Elijah Moore, and that's pretty much it right now. He has a bad offensive line. Malik Willis goes to some place like Pittsburgh, or if he goes to some place like Denver or Carolina, insert any one of these quarterbacks into one of these premier landing spots. That's why I have to go with them over Zach Wilson because their situation is just so much better. They're more likely to have early success than a guy like Zach Wilson. And it's nothing against Zach Wilson. I would love to buy him on all of my dynasty teams because his value is so depressed. People think he is horrible. Right. But then on the same aspect i go on twitter and we have these polls zach wilson or the 101 or zach wilson and the same exercise we just went through i don't understand it i don't understand where the disconnect is are you in the same boat here that i mean you like zach wilson you want to buy him but give me the picks right now the 102 the 103 doesn't matter i'll take them over zach wilson at this point yeah yeah definitely and i think the thing too there is I'm with Mike. I'm not sure that he is the best prospect, even if he was didn't go into the NFL this year and he was in this class. But I think that's where, even if you believe that, it doesn't necessarily matter right now because Zach Wilson at the rookie quarterbacks absolutely had the worst season. Still has a rough landing spot, like what they project to be this year. The Jets, we like Elijah Moore. He's been injured. He's been he started to come on late. I love Elijah Moore, but outside of that. Offensive weapons, we don't project much there. I know they have picks, you know, a couple top tens. But, man, his situation is not great, and he already showed us that he was pretty rough this year. So I want to buy him on a discount if I can. But Willis, Pickett, Corral, to me, all of those guys over Wilson right now because we don't know their landing spot. I do think they all offer legit upside to – to get into the to, – to tear up based on landing spot, based on playing well. Um, 
some of the things we're going to find out about them as they continue to grow buzz this offseason. I, I think they're more ascending. You haven't seen them play bad for a whole season. They're not in a dog shit situation. So that's why I pick all those guys. For me right now in the 22 quarterback class, those three are breaking away at the moment. I think there's a chance that some of that could change and shift, but at the moment, Willis, Pickett, Corral, and the 22 quarterback class are the three that I'd want the most. What would you say, so we'll do the same exercise, if it's Tua Tungvaluwa? Mm-hmm. Tua Tungvaluwa versus those guys? Yes, versus those three rookies. Man, that, that gets tough. I, so I actually have my tier six is Stafford, Willis, Pickett, Corral, Rogers, Tua. And, and that's a weird tier because of like, I mean, Rodgers and Stafford are, are aging. Mm-hmm. We're not sure how long they have. Willis Pickett Corral, we're hoping for upside. And Tua, I think, is kind of this guy that people are discounting because he hasn't been awesome from a fantasy perspective. But he, he's a guy I want on a lot. So when you ask me this question, it's tough. I probably lean Willis or Pickett still or Corral. But it's razor thin. Like, if you're telling me that my team looks pretty good and two is my quarterback too. I probably would stick with him because of the, although the upside's better there. Like I, I know that two is going to be a safe QB two, if that makes sense. I'm going to lead Tua. Actually, okay. I, I would That's rather fair. have Tua than any of these quarterbacks. This is where I differ from a lot of people. I would imagine. That's fair. I have very high expectations and hopes for what Tua is going to do this year. I think with another weapon, maybe a, an actual legit running game and the ability for some other wide receiver to allow Jalen Waddle to actually run something more than a slant, a bubble screen, or a crossing route and actually use his speed that he has to get downfield sometimes, I think there's going to be big things for Tua. I don't know how much I, – I was, I was pretty high on Tua before the coaching hire, and I don't think the hiring of Mike McDaniel changes – that too much mm-hmm. though it's definitely not a negative right it, it's probably more on the positive side than it is the negative side coming over from san fran the quote-unquote architect of that run game is only going to help Tua, i would imagine so i would take Tua over these rookie quarterbacks i think a lot of people probably still will have zach wilson over Tua. So I think there might be some sort of exploit where you could get, if you have Zach Wilson, even though he's been a buy for me and I like the kid, I think you could probably go out and get Tua and maybe a second round pick or maybe just some decent dart throw Mm -hmm. and, and, and be a net positive, right? If you're holding Zach Wilson, I would at least explore that and go out and see who has Tua. And then offer him, offer him Zach Wilson for Tua, and then just toss something in that you would like on your team. It doesn't have to be, you don't have to get a first round pick, right? You don't have to get a a wide receiver too, but just something on your team extra that you might like. Whether that's a, a dart throw like Diami Brown or Terrace Marshall, if you're still a believer, or a, you know Brevin Jordan in a tight end premium, just something. Because I think the sentiment is Zach Wilson over Tua. I really believe it should be the other way around. Yeah, I'm fully with you there. Tua over Wilson for me. I I say it's razor thin. 
And I think th- this could depend on build a little bit or direction in the 4D. Um, if you're contending and you and you you got two at quarterback, two quarterback, three, and you don't want the risk of what happens if Willis Pickett and Corral are not that good, I get it. For me, while I still it's very very close, but why I would prefer those three is, I think there's a real scenario where Willis Pickett Corral lands in a situation like Denver. They land in a situation. Like Pittsburgh, like if they land in a situation and they become the starter right away, I think their value in startups is has a very real chance to be higher than Tua. And if they look good, even if they have lumps, kind of like a field situation where they have their rookie struggles early, but if they start to grow and they have the draft capital and the promise to be on a team with weapons, I, I think the upside still outweighs Tua, which is why I lean that direction. So. that's the argument, but I do believe it's razor thin there. For me, they're in the same tier. And when I say I got someone in the same tier, I want to make this clear for the listeners, the dynasty DJs back at home. If I have the same tier on a player, not just a quarterback, any player, if they're the same tier for me, if you send me a a quarterback in the same tier for me, you send me whatever pick Willis is and, and, and I have Tua, I'm unlikely to make that trade. I'm probably just going to hold off. I don't want to trade within tiers. So it's razor thin. Yeah. Yeah, I got to agree here. We'll move on. The The next tier, I think, are some older, crustier guys. But I think yep. these guys, these three guys in particular, are kind of another tier break of their own. Right? So Ryan Tannehill, Kirk Cousins, Derek Carr. Yeah. I would say that Kirk Cousins should be leading that group because no of what, what we've seen. Tannehill, I, I had Tannehill's so, tough, man. Tough. I had so many high hopes. I actually, if you would have told me at the beginning of the season that if you named these three quarterbacks, if I had to rank them, Tannehill would have been head and shoulders number one. Now Easy. I think it's Kirk Cousins, Easy. and then I think number two is Derek Carr. To be honest. To be absolutely transparent, I would rather have Derek Carr, I think, than Ryan Tannehill. Yeah, I mean, I'll say that one's still close, but I think you're probably right. See, this is that tier where, regardless of what you think of them, like, as a contender, I would be okay going to these guys if I had to for the right return. Yes. But Go ahead. These are still the safe quarterbacks, and these are probably some of the last safe quarterbacks in Superflex. Where if they're on your roster and they are you, your quarterback too, you still feel good, right? You still feel, man, like my quarterback situation is not so bad. It's when you start to get to the guys below it that the questions really start to pour in about how good your team really is. If you're really a contender rocking some of these other dirty – Dirty quarterbacks. Yeah. So for me, I have, I call this tier seven, and it's uh, Cousins, Tannehill. I have Zach Wilson here, although he could very well ascend. And I, I want to buy him in this tier, but I think he's going to ascend next year, hopefully. Okay. I got Carr in there. And then I also put in here, and this is caveated with draft capital, how strong? Because I think that these two guys, how and strong, if they get first round draft capital, they bump up. 
Yes. So the next tier, and if they don't, they go to Krusty Land. That's the next tier for me. So, like, I feel that. I feel that. That's why it's tough when you get to this range because here, here's what you got, right? Cousins, Tannehill, Carr. Cousins probably is the best one of the three, but all three of these guys now are on very unsturdy ground. And Cousins, as good as he's been, he's Mr. Consistent, Mr. Steady. Not crazy high upside, but he's going to get you fantasy points. Safe QB2 does not have any contract situation with Minnesota Pass this year. They got a new regime. We don't know what's going to happen with him. Tannehill, listen, I don't think Henry coming back that soon. Like, there was a big difference. And this is kind of where we've been with Akers and and Henry, right? The age and stuff. Henry came back not looking right at all, man. And Mm -hmm. I don't think that helped Tennessee in the playoffs, but Tannehill is horrible. And and it's right now they're at the crossroads of if we want to push in and be competitive, he's got to go. And I don't know what they do. So he's on city ground. Derek Carr, like these guys all are projecting for who knows what. But if they stay in their same situation next year, they're going to get you QB2 numbers. So like on a contender – you got to kind of stick with them, but man, like, let me ask you this. This is why I kind of wanted to get into that. If you're a contender, what, what, what are you willing to send in futures for cousins, Tannehill or Carr right now? This is where I think is a good conversation for the listeners. Man. It's tough, ain't it? I definitely, I definitely could see myself sending a first round pick a late first. Got to be. I was just going to say, does it have to be asked late? Yes, it has to be late. If it's if it's one oh nine or better, nah. Because at one oh nine, one ten, at least in a lot of these mock drafts that we're doing, without knowing Sam how getting the proper draft capital and the rumors about being a second round pick and on and on and on. Sam House is still a value at pick 109, 110. And if he's in the same tier as these guys, I'd rather have the young guy. You know what I mean? I'd rather shoot the shot. So if I got to trade the 111, the 112 for one of these guys, I'm cool with that. Like, yeah. I, I would do that. I would do that. Even though I love Carson Strong and I think a lot of these, uh, as long as his health checks out, a lot of these pre-NFL rookie drafts that I'm going to do, I'll be taking a lot of Carson Strong at the back end of the first, early second, because I believe in the man so much. But I would still rather have, I believe, especially on a contender like we're talking, I would rather have the the Tannehill, the Cousins, the Derek Carr, and just rock with them as my QB two. I do wish we disagreed more. It, it, it's not, it's not happening. Because yeah, I, I, one oh nine, I'm good. 110 for Cousins, I think I'm doing on a contender. Man. Tannehill and Cousins Cousins are so tough because I know it's 112 and you're basically projecting strong or a receiver, but, man, on a contending side, I think you've got to consider it. But, dude, Tannehill and and car right now are just so tough to buy. Yeah. And, and, and they feel like they're really bordering crusty land, which basically Matt Ryan, you know, when Daniel, like Baker, right. They're not far. They're not, they could be a half season from being in that tier, which is what's 
tough to make that move. So I agree with you on the assessment. Very late first, I'd, I'd consider it. It, w- it would have to be so necessary and I'd have to have a build of contending that like my flexibility doesn't give me any other out. So that's where I would be. But but basically, right, like without if Hal and Strong get round one draft capital, they bump up for me. If they don't, that's end of list. And, and that's why ultimately, too, for me, the 22 quarterback class is going to get pushed up is just like in, in Dynasty and in, in real life. There's so many teams out there that are searching for quarterback and they whether they're right or wrong, they believe if we find the answer at quarterback, right? Washington, if we get rid of, yeah. like we, tr- we tried for Fitzpatrick, didn't, he got hurt right away. Heineke, good story for a little bit. But if we, if we replace Taylor Heineke, we have everything else we need to win. There, there, there are a bunch of teams like that out there. And when that is the narrative for all those teams, they all try to go get their quarterback. So that, that that's part of why I believe in the 22 quarterback class, even though you may not think they're that good of prospects. I can understand that. So let's get into crusty land. What everyone came for. Let's get into crusty land. Matt Ryan, Carson Wentz, David Mills, Daniel Jones, Ugh. Baker Mayfield. And that's going to be the tear break for me right there. I'm not going to include crappy dudes like Taysom Hill. We know what he is. Kyle Trask, please about Jared get Goff? out of here. Jared Goff. We could put him in crusty land. Yeah. I, I- if, I if would Detroit say, doesn't draft say a quarterback, this is, he's got to be crusty there. land. And if then it is, yeah. And then the next tier is only two guys for me, right? Mm-hmm. If we put Jared Goff up here, next tier is two guys. It's Jimmy Garoppolo and it's Jordan Love. Yes. I, I wouldn't call it super crusty land because you got Jordan Love in there and that's like a lawn dart, right? But it could pay off. The Jordan Love thing could pay off. I could see a scenario. What let's Don't get you right feel to like Jordan Love though is it is – it's a lottery ticket, essentially. Like, yes. What would you pay for this lottery ticket right now? Mm. I would uh, say the, on, the 209 honestly, in rookie drafts, full send yeah. every time. I was going to say I, I would pay likely what currently won't get it done, which is maybe two two oh seven. Eight, nine, ten, somewhere in there, I'd probably do it. I'm I'm not paying two oh five or better though. There's no way. Even though that Jordan Love, if Rogers moves on and he's the starter, you're gonna get a value bump. You could probably move him to some fish in your league that thinks, yep. oh, Jordan Love's the starter and all that. I get it. I get it. But two oh five, two oh six and better, th- th- those are long term potential value. So I'm not doing it for that. Yeah, I agree though. Uh late second. Yeah, I'll send it. I'll take I'll take the lottery ticket shot. We'll quickly highlight three guys here that I wanted to talk about. Matt Ryan, I know I'm I've been on record on our Patreon show about Matt Ryan. I still think he has a good one to two years left. He's got this year in Atlanta and then maybe one more year somewhere else as a starter as a vet. Yeah, it's probably true. Um I'll be interested to see what Atlanta does, man. We talked about this on the patron show from an NFL perspective. That was an incredibly bold move with the new GM came over and did taking pits at four. And I'll be very curious to see what they do at quarterback. There's, there's a scenario where you're right though, where Matt Ryan's still the starter this season. And even if they draft a guy, he's an 
know, starts majority of the season. And then next year, a desperate team takes a shot on him. So he he is, to me, the first one in Krusty land. And honestly, it'll be interesting to see what happens with Carr. Carr's a decent amount younger. Carr's like 30, going to be 31 next year, where Ryan's like 36 or something. Yeah, almost 37. Right. So that's the difference with the age. But I don't think there's that. I really don't think like – Value-wise, I would have them separated by all that much still. But I agree that Ryan can still get you two years. So, like, it sounds gross. I call him Krusty Land because it's funny. But sometimes on the contending side, when you're out of options or you're just a piece away, you got to get into Krusty Land and into these guys that are – they feel gross, but maybe they they kind of fill the one void you have if the rest of your team's loaded. What about uh, Davis Mills, another guy I wanted to highlight here? I think for me, I would pay the 204 or the 205 to get Davis Mills. Yeah, that's... I, I, I don't know if that gets it done, though, because I do have Davis Mills shares, and I'm not letting Davis Mills go for anything less than a first, no. and probably nothing less than a first and a second, to be honest, because why not? So, so- Why not? If you have quarterback depth, you wouldn't take 201. Maybe. He's well, also I, he's also one like I want to see what happens in the draft and what they do. For oh, dude, for sure. He's he's got less lottery ticket, probably. But I think the thing with Mills is I think Mills is interesting. M- Mills is somebody this is funny for the destination Debbie people out there. Mike in the bomb squad league, he ended up winning. And there was a point where he bid all this money on Davis Mills. What was it? What was the budget, Fab? Like eighty bucks, something I bid, out of hundred. I think I bid seventy-one dollars because Ray had seventy dollars and Baker Mayfield was his quarterback. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so he, he bid all that, and I don't even think there was another bid, right? Nope, I was and it. So, so, so everybody's dying laughing. You bid, you burn all this money, blah 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 blah. I guess in theory he did because no one else bid, but. It was actually a good buy for him at that price. If you're spending fab money to get what Davis Mills is now, it's a win. So um, I think the thing with Mills is this. He he actually he impressed more down the stretch than I anticipated. I think he legitimately was making throws and improved enough that I don't think he's a long-term option. But if you're as in big of a rebuild as Houston is, they may roll with him next year. And, and and that's all you need on a guy like this to where you give him a chance and you see what happens. There's been crazy stories that happen. And, guys, I'm not going to say that I'm betting on Mills to be a long-term starter. But if he gets the opportunity to, like Mike said, if the draft comes and Houston doesn't take a quarterback in round one, yeah, I, I'm not trading Mills away for a mid-second. I guess there's no way. So – He's very polarizing. I think right now, if I was going to buy him, I have hesitancy. But if I was doing it at two, six to five, I think Mike's right. That probably doesn't get it done. Someone that's sitting on Mills thinks they've got a gold mine. But if you can get it done for a mid second, I'd probably do it. I don't think I'm going to send one of those early seconds where, see, the thing about the early seconds for me is if I'm in a league, even if it's a sharp one, you don't know what everyone's going to do. Like my 111, 110 could be there at 201, 202. So that's where I have the problem trading the early second for Mills. 
Last one we're going to touch on, and then we'll get out of here. Baker Mayfield. And I I saw some ADP data, data from real startups on Sleeper pulled. Baker Mayfield was going in the 12th round. And you say whatever you want about Baker Mayfield at, at the 12th. That's a smash. Baker Mayfield's a guy that I would be considering in like the ninth, the eighth, the ninth round. I'm just that- gonna- when did we take him in that C2C league? Now, that's IDP and all this crazy stuff. We got him way late, right? Yeah, very, very late. But the Baker point I Mayfield. think, though, is I think you're right. I think Baker, what's interesting, this was as bad of a season. Like, everything that happened, him playing bad, the injury, the team missing the playoffs, their NFL team, my Browns, lack of direction right now. It's a tough pill to swallow in real life. But the thing about it, it's as bad as it could have been for him. This is where I think why he's going so late is we talked about this on a Patreon episode. Baker Mayfield is not the 101 if Dorsey was not the GM. And Dorsey's not the GM for the Browns anymore, which is why him being as bad as he is leaves him likely on the outside looking in and not going to have a job after next season in Cleveland. So here, here's the thing, though. Even if Cleveland at 13 or they trade up slightly, drafts a quarterback, which by all accounts, that's not even really – it's discussed but not the likely scenario. That's what I would like Cleveland to do, but it's not the likely scenario. So if they don't do that, he's still the quarterback next year there. Even if they do do that, Baker's probably the quarterback for the Browns next year for a decent amount of time. And then after that, he still is young and is probably going to get a chance, a resurgence type, to go to another team. So so he offers you, even at where he's going, there's a, there's a real chance he's a starter for almost two full seasons at minimum. And you don't know what's going to happen in his new team. It's not a guy like I want a lot of shares of. But, yeah, I mean, double-digit rounds and Superflex, I mean, I'm just pulling the trigger just because of the upside chance, even though you could burn that pick. So it's polarizing, but I I still want shots on Baker Mayfield. I I don't know that Cleveland's going to be the team that he sticks with, but I don't think it's out of the range of outcomes that he, like a Tannehill, goes to another team and secures another two, three seasons with them. Judging by a lot of the stuff, I Baker's going for a mid-second or later in price just by startup ADP. So, hell, give me that all day. I was going to say, in this class, in 22 class, if I can send 206 or later for Baker Mayfield, I don't even think much about it. Nope. I just send. I hit the send. Right. Yep. And actually, you know what? Uh, 4D people, go do it. If you're here and you're thinking, yeah, hey, I kind of feel what you're saying. Try it out. If you have a mid-second, late second, send it out for Baker Mayfield, especially if they have if the guy has multiple quarterbacks. Try it out. You you're buying him at incredibly low price right there. Perfect. I'm not gonna touch on Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh I've done it way too much in the last week on Jimmy G. And if you want those thoughts, this is a perfect plug. Hit up our Patreon, patreon.com forward slash South Harmon. I'm in there trashing Jimmy at least, you know, once every couple of days. <laughs> that's my new thing <laughs> Mike has things Jimmy G trash is 
<laughs> man, we took him in the C2C way late, too. It's funny. But, uh, yeah, Jimmy G, I think it's one of those where, you know, if you have him or if you can get him super cheap, and, and I think he could very well be a starter next year, but it's not someone I'm confident in long term. But, yeah, if you check out our, our Patreon, patreon.com forward slash South Harmon, we, we had uh, Monday. It was really fun. We, we had a bunch of people in. Even the ones that weren't getting team reviews were in on our Discord watching, seeing what we were doing, talking to uh, three different pregame poop tier, $5 a month. We go through your teams. We'll, we'll help you with anything. We get really deep in it. We're on a team review live, and we go through your team and, and help you figure out what your direction is, what type of trades we can make. And we help two different teams that are actually going in two different directions, one contending, one rebuilding, make trades while on a 30, 45-minute team review. So if you're vibing with anything you're saying, uh, interested in you know up in your game or, or you have questions on our mindset that you'd like but you're not sure how to implicate, come check us out. We we would love for, it, for you to come. And it's a dynasty community that's a lot of fun. People get on there, they talk, they chat. Like all day long, I'm sitting at work and I see notifications, notifications, people are talking in there. So if that's your thing, if you're very into it, you know, if you're listening this far into this podcast and you're vibing with what we're talking about, going through the tiers, and I think you I think you will be pleasantly surprised with what we offer over there. I echo those sentiments, man. I'm having a blast. The Patreon is popping. Like you said, it, it just it seems to keep growing and growing, and the chats just keep getting more and more in depth. Getting to do those team reviews and getting one on one, and being able to fully dive into an individual's roster and actually go through and identify what we'd be trading, who we're trading, and it's so crazy that half the time we do this, more than half, it seems like the the people get deals done while we're doing the team review or shortly after on right. deals that we're sending out, which is wild to me because I, I grind my leagues. I grind my leagues every day at work, sending out offers, and I get nothing. <laughs> and these guys hop on for 30, 45 minutes, and they're getting two, three deals done at a time. I'm, I'm low-key jealous sometimes. I am too, man. It, it's funny because we talk about on 4D chess knowing your league mates. And we'll get into it on a different episode, but when I talk down tier, Mike and I talk down tier from these tier one down, it's not just tearing down to do it. Don't take some of these shit offers you're going to get. You have to be getting the elite assets or, or multiple, multiple first to make it worth it. So I can get into it in the future, like tearing down from Kyler in one of my leagues. But part of the problem is we say, no, your league mates. So Mike and I, a lot of times we're in these leagues where, if it's if it's been around for more than a few months, you know, a few years, they have an idea of what we're doing and they kind of see what's coming. So Mike and I come in with our own our own 40s thoughts that we're we're talking to you here on the podcast, and we bring it to a, a new patron. And the people in their league, they're not really cognizant of stuff like that. They don't see what's coming. <laughs> it's crazy because we've gotten we had the last time we had three people on team reviews. We got two, two of them got deals done. The other one got a lot of talks going, but um, still hasn't gotten a deal done, but is, has stuff in the works. And, and more more often than not, we've gotten deals done while they're on the team review in that 45-minute span. So it, it's a lot of fun. I, I do think that we are bringing value to these people, and they're, they're, they're seemingly having a, a blast. So 
come check us out if you want to. If not, we're still going to be here bringing you all the all the value here to the 4D chess side. And just remember, if your league makes to playing chess, play 4D chess. Boom. That's going to do it here for us tonight. We appreciate you tapping in to the QB extravaganza, and I get to pronounce my Mac Jones love. Now you all know how big of a Mac Jones truther I am. Mac Jones to the moon 2022. Let's go. That's going to do it for us. We appreciate you. Peace out. Mac Jones. Mac Jones.